On today's episode of the Keto Camp Podcast, we discuss how to break a weight loss stall with Zico Powell. Our ancestors fast, not on purpose, and they probably didn't even call it fasting, unless maybe for religious reasons. Right? But our ancestors fast. Good at times of feast and at times of famine. Our body's designed to fast when it needs to fast. And fasting also helps you to do what? Get into ketosis if you're doing it right. If you're trying to get ketosis, fasting is connected to that, right? So interesting, like all these health habits that we talk about, they're all connected. But fasting, if done right, can be a pillar in that journey. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Today, we bring on an awesome guest, Zico. I was introduced to Zico from a mutual friend, Ray. And we hit it off. I was on his awesome podcast. He's doing some great things on his podcast, by the way. It's called The Matter Over Mind Experience. And we just had so much fun together. And then now I brought him on my show. And we had a great conversation. Here's what you're going to learn today. You'll learn about his backstory, what junk food did to his body, and how he discovered the truth. We discuss the importance of sleep, why we want to eliminate seed oils and what they do inside of your body, what processed foods does when you consume them, and the incredible benefits of fasting and why he does a 24-hour fast once a week and how you could do it too. Then we get into how to overcome a standstill and wait. What to do if you've hit a plateau. I always say there's three things guaranteed in life, death, taxes, and a weight loss plateau. So we discuss how to bust a weight loss plateau. What happens in the gut when you eat the same foods over and over and over and why it's important to create diversity and how to do that with changing the foods that you eat. We talk a lot about that. We call it diet variation. That's what Dr. Pompa has coined, diet variation. We'll get into that. We discussed why so many people benefit from removing anti-nutrients from their diets, aka doing more of a meat-based carnivore diet, and why when you eliminate these plant toxins, what it does in your gut, how it improves the gut. Essentially, it's an, el- an elimination diet. We get into some of his favorite tools for biohacking, a glucose monitor, a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, and also the Aura Ring, why he loves it, how to use it, and how you could use it too to really fine-tune your approach. We get a little bit into mindset. He's got a great Jamaican accent. You're going to love him. He's so much fun. 
Before I bring him on, uh, let's get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. Here's a five-star review from D.L. Mole, titled Awesome Podcast. Ben has always had amazing guests on the show. He's also well-prepared with intelligent questions and converse with his guests well. I've been doing keto for five years now, but I always learn something new from the podcast. Awesome, DL. I'm so glad that you're learning nuggets. I do prepare for every guest. I'm, I'm thankful that you acknowledge that. You're going to love our guest today as well, Zico. And thank you so much for taking the time to leave that rating and review. If you haven't left the show a rating and review yet, please do so. So we could uh, share your review and help the show grow. Let's get right into the conversation with Zico. Zico was born in Montego Bay, Jamaica. And as a child, he was actually underweight. He moved to the U.S. at the age of 16. You're going to hear all about his story. He has spent 18 years educating himself by reading evidence-based scientific articles, reading from mentors and trying different techniques. He then decided he wants to get this information and knowledge to other people. So he's a certified Lumen Metabolic Coach and carries seven fitness and nutrition certifications from the International Sports Sciences Association, including a certified personal trainer, nutrition specialist, corrective exercise specialist, exercise therapy specialist, transformation specialist, DNA-based trainer, and weight management specialist. He has a large knowledge base, allowing him to work with a wide variety of clients, and you're going to learn and extract his brilliance today. So here is Zico. Zico, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast, my friend. Thank you for having me, my man. Uh, I interviewed you yesterday, so now it's my turn to be on the hot seat. Yeah, it is. You're on the hot seat right now, and uh, you're right. 24 hours ago, I was on your podcast, which is the Matter Over Mind Experience podcast. Everybody go subscribe to that. And now you're on the Keto Camp Podcast, and we want to credit Ray, who introduced us via email and said, I think both of you would hit it off, and she was right. So we are here now for round two in 24 hours, two sessions, and we're going to be talking about you, my friend, we're going to be talking about metabolic flexibility and fasting and digestion and high blood pressure and all these amazing topics. But before we get there, let's share your story. How was your health growing up? Were you a sugar burner? And what transpired that inspired you to cha change your health and actually become a health teacher? So I'm one of the least interesting people on the planet. So I'm going to try to spice this up a little bit, right? Spice it up, dude. And I'm Jamaican. I had a little bit of jerk on it or something. So... <laughs> When I was growing up, of course, like anybody else, I know nothing about nutrition. I'm just eating whatever is in front of me, right? But I grew up in a, in a warmer climate. So I grew up in Jamaica, and I played sports growing up. And I naturally, you know, most of the time I ate snacks, and I love sweets. And if I were to eat anything that's even considered natural, it would be fruits. You put vegetables in front of me, and I would sit there for like two hours. I'm not going to eat it. Now... Luckily to say that, I say this, my, my grandparents, because my grandmother raised me and she has a lot of, um, I guess you say, what we now do in the biohacking space, but then was considered old time remedy. So she made sure I do this thing called washout once a year where I cleanse kind of like a detox and it's the most disgusting thing you ever taste in your life. Now I do it, right? Just, but it's, it's absolutely disgusting. She had me drink this bitter tea called surracy. Surrey is a bush and, and it is one of the grossest thing. Now it tastes like, like nothing to me because I drink it almost every day, right? But we know in the, our space of health, the importance of bitters, right? But back then my grandparents made sure, and I never forgot this shit, it's kind of funny. 
the longer I sit there and I, when I let it cool, the worse it tastes. If I would just take a shot, I'd be fine, right? But I never figured it out as a child. I'm like, I'm going to protest until I don't have to drink this thing. But apparently, if I just took a shot, I could be playing soccer with my friends or something. So, you know, I wasn't very bright to add that to the list. Anyway. <laughs> so grandma was a biohacker. That's awesome. Pretty much. Right? I think a lot of our grandmas were, but we just never knew at the time that they actually knew what they were talking about. So true. How dare they? So growing up, I never knew, but I did have some health issues still. Uh, again, because you know, I, when Jolly Ranchers came out, that was my thing. I had pimples all over my face. Which was your favorite, your favorite flavor? The purple one. I think it's grape, I would say. Yeah, great. Grape. It was grape. Yeah, you know, purple <laughs> has to be grape. Yeah, that's kind of standard, right? But that was in my. I used to save my lunch money to buy Jolly Ranchers. I I'd buy candy. I mean, I was skinny when I I had eczema, acne. High blood pressure later on developed that in my 20s. I don't know how, right? Crazy. Asthma issues and, you know, a bunch of stuff was just happening as I go. And I was, put it this way, I was 117 pounds at the age of 16 at 5 foot 11. And it wasn't muscle either, right? So imagine that, like I was underweight, which is the opposite of what most people have, right? So God knows I was going on with my thyroid. But again, I didn't know all that. I decided. So I started working out later as I got older because people were teasing me that I was too skinny. And I probably I did get beat up a couple of times when I was younger because I was smaller than everybody else. So I started you know, lifting weights. And eventually, you know, I started gaining muscle, feeling good. But guess what? I was still never healthy. Still had asthma. Still had high blood pressure problems. Was never healthy. So long story short, is the asthma that triggered me. Because... I used to have to leave work and go home and sit on the couch whenever the palm count was too high and I couldn't breathe. And I mean, I'm dizzy a lot. So I had to lay on the couch. I could barely breathe and I was dizzy. And the last time I went to the doctor, he put me on um, Advair. I already had my butyrol and some pills. That I don't remember the name of them now. And that triggered me because I hate pills. And I said to my doctor, I said, there's something I could do nutrition wise to improve my health. And he said, but you could try to eat healthy. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what that means. So I started reading. And the first book I came across was from Dr. Stephen Gundry, The Plan Paradox, my man, my favorite doctor in the world. And I started reading and he was talking about lectins. And, you know, you know how if you read Dr. Gundry, you know he sounds kind of strange and you're reading the introduction and stuff. And you're like, what's this man talking about? Like, is he a hippie or something? Like, it sounds weird. But as I get into the book, and I'm a natural skeptic. I'm like, okay, fruits and vegetables are good for you. I don't know what he's talking about. But a couple of things triggered me. Some things mommy, grandma used to do was with her beans, for example. She used to sprout them. Rice was the same way. So I was like, hmm, he may have a point because that's what she did. And we don't do that in modern day society. We just take that stuff out of the bag and out of the can and think we're okay. So I started making those changes, stopped eating Chipotle and all this other stuff and started eating more natural, making my own stuff. And I started feeling better after a couple of weeks. So I was like, man, this guy must have a point. I'm breathing better and everything. I'm like, okay. So I started making more changes. So I eventually started, at, went into a carnivore slash keto diet. And I didn't go there for most people just for weight loss. I wanted to get rid of this asthma problem, right? And after a few months, breathing no issues, right? I was still, was still there. But I, it was getting, everything was getting better and better and better. My chest and my blood pressure, my markers are better. My energy level was good. And long story short, now I'm almost four years off all my medications. Blood pressure is normal. Haven't had a 
asthma scare, eczema scare in years, in years, right? And um, I started with that book. Now, did I, I didn't stop with that book because I started reading other books and listening to podcasts and whatever I could get my hands on. Because, And I remember we mentioned this on a podcast yesterday. I said, whenever you start feeling better, that's why I call my show The Matter Over Mind Experience. When you start feeling better, then you start to get like, you're like a detective. You're like, I wonder what else I can do. And that put, set me on that journey to where now I am off all my medications and I'm about to be 40 years old and I feel like I'm 20, 25 years old, right? So that's really my nutshell of my story and what, and what has motivated me to share my passion with the world. It's awesome. I love that story. It's a perfect example of remove the interference and allow the body to heal itself. And your body did that. You got off your meds, your asthma went away, your eczema, gut issues, and you did it with nutrition and lifestyle changes. Now, let me ask you this. That doctor who said, yeah, maybe if you ate healthier, uh, whatever that means, right? Did you ever go back to him? And did you ever have you ever spoken to him since or no? I changed primary care physicians. <laughs> Probably a good idea. But, you know, that's what you got to do sometimes. You got to fire a doctor because they, they don't really know about nutrition. And you're right. Plants and fruits and vegetables, these things, they could be okay. Um, but we're cooking them differently than we did in the past. We're not sprouting them. We're not peeling them. We're not, you know, people are not pressure cooking them. And you add that and all these anti-nutrients and plant toxins in vegetables, you add that to a population that has leaky gut. Some have severe leaky gut. And it just makes things worse. And the immune system goes on this overdrive. And that could be, uh, immune system could be attacking your thyroid gland, which is, you know, Hashimoto's uh, thyroiditis. It could be uh, attacking your um, other parts of your body. So the immune system is just overactive because you have all these undigested food particles floating around in your bloodstream. So what you do and what you did is you remove the interference, you remove the plant toxins, you went keto carnivore. Now you're starting to fix your gut. And in four years, I mean, to get off all those medications and you're about to turn 40, you, you look great. You're training your butt off. You were just sharing with me offline what you're doing with strength training. It's like a perfect example of the human body's adaptability once you remove the interference, isn't it? Isn't that amazing what the body can do? It really is. And that's why I tell individuals, I people in my family are the hardest ones to really, even though they see what I'm going through, my changes and what I've gone through, Oftentimes we have conversations and they say, it's just getting old and you know, old age just hit people differently. And I, and I say to them, do you not realize that out of everyone here about 40 years old, I'm the only one who doesn't even take prescription medication. I'm sorry, over-the-counter medication. I'm literally the only one. If I have a headache, and that's what I love when I started reading and paying attention to my body. Of course, getting my certifications and all that comes with it. But when I paid attention to my body, I started to realize that even if I have a headache, I know why. If I don't feel well the next day, I know if my energy level drops, I know exactly why my energy level drops and I know how to fix it. It is like a romantic thing with your body when you know it that well and how that can really change your life. I love it. Intuition that we, a lot of us has, have lost and we got to get it back. Let's, let's stay on the topic of the gut, the digestive system. What are some of the other other reasons why people have leaky gut, a compromised digestive system. What are the most common things you've seen out there? The most common reason, and that's with practically everything, is poor sleep. 
And that will always be my opinion, and I will die on that hill, is poor sleep. Most of us do not get adequate rest. And on top of not getting adequate rest, we don't rest at the right times, right? My man, Sean Stevenson, has a fantastic book. I'm pretty sure you've heard of it or read it, Sleep Smarter. And that was part of my journey. It wasn't just my nutrition, is is optimizing my sleep. And when I started to realize that, oh, man, my sleep quality is 90%, 95%. And it's interesting because I wouldn't even have to look at my ring, right, or look at my percentage. I would wake up and know that my sleep quality was better. Now, why is that the number one reason? Because that's when the body rests and repair, rebalances our hormones, does everything that we need to operate and function the way we're supposed to function. So we can digest foods properly absorb nutrients appropriately. So quality sleep is always going to be the top of the spectrum. And when I say timing of sleep is also sleep quality. We know this now. And it's interesting because I grew up seven day Adventist and it's all used to always say, go to sleep by nine. And between the hours of nine to 12, when the body does most of its recovery. Well, Sean Stevenson in his book, Sleep Smarter, he says 10 to 12. But he says the science is showing that when I was at 10 to 12 is when the body does most of its recovery. So if you're going to sleep at 1 o'clock instead of 9, 10 o'clock when you're supposed to, that, that's not the same thing. If you're falling asleep to blue light because you fell asleep watching TV versus I use red light therapy at night, I have my red light shining on me, I play my guitar, I may read a little bit, and then I just fall asleep, completely different experience. Right. So sleep will be the number one. The other big topic that I would say is that we eat is too much seed oils. That's huge. And the reason why I bring that up, because that's something that's easy to eliminate. Extremely easy to eliminate. Just don't buy them. Just don't use them. <laughs> right. So a lot of seed oils in our diet is the next issue. And on top of bad gut, we know that the body has a hard time with trans fats. And, and we also got to consider how they are manufactured and so on and so forth, right? And the next thing I would say, and there's so many issues, but the reason why I bring up these three is because these three are easily fixable. Too many processed foods. There is no way that your diet should have 50, 60, 70, 80% processed foods. Like, that's insane. Like, really, we're human beings. We're animals. You don't see a lion or a tiger out there eating cliff bars, right? Like, we're not designed to do that. You know, I mean, should you be vegetarian? Should you not be vegetarian? Okay, that's a whatever. But at the end of the day, we all know we're supposed to eat clean, no matter what dietary, I guess say, theory you, you support, right? We all know at the end of the day that we should eat clean. And when you start eating clean, taking the processed foods out of your diet, you'll be amazed at how much better you will feel over time. Dr. Guntry said this, and I'll never forget it. The things that you don't do are more important than the things that you do. Meaning that if you eliminate certain things out of your diet, you will start feeling better magically. But if you keep those in and you say, you know what, let me drink some tea and stuff, you still may not feel any better because you have way more, let's say, inflammation. Let's say you have a high omega-6 diet and then you eat some nuts to get some omega-3s in your diet probably won't even be much of a difference because you still have a lot of inflammation created by your omega-6s or excess omega-6s, right? So that's why I bring up those three because I think they're easily changeable. 
they're very important. I, I agree with all of that. But the sleep part, you're right. A lot of people are not valuing sleep. It's not sexy, especially entrepreneurs. They want to, you know, sleep when they're dead. And, you know, that'll be a fast track to aging, accelerated aging when you are sacrificing your sleep. And so sleep is important because if you're not getting quality sleep, to, to your point, you're going to wake up the next day, you're going to be hungrier, you're going to be angrier, you're going to have higher levels of cortisol, higher levels of glucose, lower levels of leptin, it's just going to be all wonky. So sleep needs to be, it's fundamental. You can't bypass that. Seed oils, we know, are everywhere. So it's easy to avoid them when you know what they are. But here's the problem with that, or I shouldn't say problem. Here's the, the challenge for a lot of people. When they go to restaurants, seed oils are almost every single restaurant. So I always tell my audience, tell the server that you and everybody at your table is allergic to seed oils <laughs> and to use butter or olive oil or, or avocado oil, some other option. But you got to tell them you're allergic because then they'll pay attention to you versus it's your preference. So make sure you do that. And then the third one, you were, you were talking about, uh, what was the third one? So sleep, seed oils, and... Uh, what's, what was the third one? I just drew a black myself. We were talking about the sleep, seed oils, and processed foods, eliminating processed, processed foods. Processed foods. Uh, I like what Gundry said, and it, it aligns with what my mentor, Dr. Pompa always says, which is, a lot of people need are thinking they need to add a new supplement, add something, add something. But in reality, they need to remove things first, like you said, remove the processed food. So whether you're doing vegan, my audience is probably not. But whether you're doing vegan or carnivore or keto or paleo, eat real food. What Zico means by clean food is like whole food. That's a good start right there. And as you do that, then you'll start to repopulate the good bacteria, downregulate the bad bacteria. Hey, Keto Camper, I want to just pause for a second and tell you about my favorite drink for metabolic health. On this podcast, we talk about the importance of metabolic health, metabolic flexibility. Well, this is called Good Idea, and it is a great idea if you're trying to reduce blood sugar and keep your insulin levels in a healthy range. It has zero calories, zero sweeteners, and none of the junk ingredients, and it tastes like a lightly sparkling water. I call it a functional sparkling water because it has been clinically tested and shown to reduce blood sugar spikes after a meal. It contains a blend of amino acids and chromium piclinate. Together, they slow gastric emptying and increase insulin sensitivity, allowing a steady release of glucose in the bloodstream where it can be transferred into the cells for fuel. It also contains zinc and potassium as an added benefit. They hooked you all up with a special coupon code. So all you need to do is head over to goodidea.us and apply the coupon code BEN, that is B-E-N, at checkout at goodidea.us. I'm going to drop that link in the podcast notes along with the coupon code. All right, let's get back to this episode. But let me ask you this. Fasting. What, I know that you fast. You do a 24-hour fast once a week. I want to know why you do that. But what are the benefits of fasting for gut health and just overall health? Why do you love fasting? First reason why I love fasting is because when I started, it was intermittent fasting. It wasn't long day fast, but maybe like 12 hours, 13, 14. It's because it made me feel good. I literally felt better when I fasted. And not just the day that I fast. Because in the beginning, those days may be a little rough, but like the day after I fast. I just, felt like, I just felt like a completely different person, right? So I fell in love with fasting from the beginning. And I just want to give a caveat to this because we talked about this on my show. A lot of people think fasting means you don't have to eat till like 2 o'clock or something like that. 
your sleep hours count. So most health experts say stop eating about three hours before bed, right? Let's say we sleep eight hours. That's 11 hours, right? And then you don't eat for two hours or so after you wake up. That's 13 hours. And you can play with those numbers however you want, right? You can wait three hours or four hours or whatever works for you, right? But that's just a simple way to think about it. You know, it's by fasting. Instead of grabbing that muffin when you first wake up or going to get Starbucks coffee, just have some water or something, you know, or I don't know, black coffee that brewed, you know, that you brewed good organic black coffee or something like that, that wouldn't break your fast, right? So th that's the things to really think about when we talk about fasting. Now, what really got me interested in fasting after I started doing it and I started feeling a little better, I wanted to learn more though, like, why am I feeling so good? So then I dive into the research and you learn about cellular autophagy. I'm like, hmm, interesting, right? My body's basically regenerating. And when I, now this happens naturally. You don't have to fast for cellular autophagy to happen, but it does expedite that process, make that process run more efficiently, right? So look at that, reducing inflammation. And you know, and I know that just about every disease is connected to chronic inflammation, right? I can't think of one that isn't. So I'm going to go on a limb and say it's 100%. Maybe somebody proved me wrong one day, but my asthma was definitely connected to chronic inflammation. So lowering chronic inflammation, healing the gut, right? Think about that because you're not feeding it and you're allowing your body to heal itself, right? So healing the gut, right? Bouncing your sugar levels, training your body. And I remember Ben Greenfield said this so much that it got stuck in my head. Fat oxidation. Because by properly fasting, eventually your body, if you're doing it right, that's why it's important a lot of times to work with an expert. When I was doing this, I had my certifications. Your body will start to break down its own body fat for use. And that's a beautiful thing because that's when your metabolism is really becoming flexible because you can switch between fats and carbs, right? Like things are getting nice, right? So fat oxidation as well, because don't, don't go hungry, get a Snickers. Well, if you have to get Snickers when you're hungry, that means that you're a sugar burner. And that means you're not metabolically flexible. And that more likely means that you have a lot of gut issues because guess what the bad bacteria in our gut loves? Sugar, baby. Exactly. Just give it some sugar and it's good to go. But the good bacteria likes healthy, whole foods, oligosaccharides that's made from, uh, that comes from good, healthy fiber. And then we know, we talked about this yesterday, that our mitochondria pathway, or the pathway that our mitochondria use to metabolize fats is a lower inflammation pathway than it uses for carbs. Now, to go back to the question, that's basically the thing, the benefits you're looking at there. So you're looking at me feeling better, but then I'm looking at cellular autophagy, lowering chronic inflammation, giving the gut and the digestive system a time to rest and heal itself. And then promoting, training your body to burn its own body fat, aka fat oxidation, and many benefits can happen. Now, one thing I mentioned before I turn it back to you, because you said this yesterday, our ancestors fast, not on purpose. And they probably didn't even call it fasting, unless maybe for religious reasons, right? But our ancestors fast, because there's times of feast and times of famine. Our body's designed to fast when it needs to fast. And fasting also helps you to do what? Get into ketosis if you're doing it right. If you're trying to get ketosis, fasting is connected to that, right? 
So interesting, like all these health habits that we talk about, they're all connected. But fasting, if done right, can be a pillar in that journey. Absolutely. Yeah, fasting is such a powerful tool for many of the reasons you spoke about. And if you could bottle the, all those benefits you get from fasting and put it into a supplement or a, a pill, it would be a multi-billion dollar industry, but you can't do that. It's free. That's you know another cool thing about fasting. You don't have to spend money. As a matter of fact, you save money because you're not spending money on Starbucks frappes or whatever it is. You're saving money. And it's a great tool for those of any ethnicity, any background, any rich people, poor people, middle-class people, because it's free. And it's nature's ultimate reset button is fasting. I love what it does for the gut. You mentioned how it just gives the gut a break. And, and so many people need that break because they eat every two to three hours. They eat pretty much every waking hour. Sometimes even in the middle of the night, they're eating because they wake up because they got to eat something. And their digestive system, every time you eat something, you kickstart the digestive process. Even if it's a healthy snack, whatever it is, glucose and insulin goes up, digestive starts, and you never allow that digestive system to take a break. You're overwhelming it. It's leading to fatty liver. It's leading to a whole bunch of digestive issues. But when you fast, it's like, whoa, when you have all this time on your hands, let's say it's you're on holiday break, you have two weeks off and you had all this junk in the garage you've been wanting to clean all year. Well, you're going to do it now because you have all this time on your hand. That same thing with your innate intelligence and your, your digestive system. Like you've been wanting to work and clean out the junk and clean out the garage of your digestive system, but you never had the time. But now you're fasting. It's like having two weeks off of work. Let's go clean out the junk. So I love it for that and, and so many reasons. But you also do a 24-hour fast once a week, right, Zico? Why are you implementing that? And how do you feel during those 24 hours? Oh, yeah. I was supposed to answer that, wasn't I? So <laughs> <all good. laughs> back to the task at hand. So I actually started implementing it because of Ben Greenfield. That's that's been a part of his practice. I don't know if it still is, but when he started it, though, I did the research into it. And first, we're looking at the timing of your fast, right? So at certain times of your fast, your autophagy speeds up, right? And that's very important to note. The next thing also is fat oxidation. So if my goal is okay, let's say we know about speeding up autophagy and the timing with your fast. So but let's say fat oxidation. Once I got to the point where 12, 13, 14, 15 hours just felt easy to me, I realized that that one day that I do that 24-hour dinner-to-dinner fast, I'm lengthening the time of cellular autophagy, and I'm lengthening that time of promoting fat oxidation. Now, this is a dangerous thing because I've had people say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. That's like, if you're fasting before, they're like, no, I'm like, okay, they don't do that. Right. Because your body has to get to that point that he's able to do it. Right. But it, it was more of a fact that said, I, I fall Ben, I love his stuff. And I see that he did it. But then as I started getting better with fasting, I started to realize, you know what? I can really increase these benefits by doing a dinner to dinner fast. And my trick is, on that day, I always get 10 to 12,000 steps easy. If I do any kind of cardio or any kind of training, it's going to be low weight kind of training. I don't do anything intensive. But the reason why I couple that with my fasting day is because if I train in a zone one, zone two, which primarily burn fat, use fat for energy, and then I am in a fasted state, I am increasing those benefits as well. Now, let's say if I'm fasting, I'm not going to go for sprints. May not be the smartest thing to do, right? Because I'm trying to, I'm pushing my body into a different zone and that may not be too smart, right? 
And I got to say that when I really start like lengthening my fast and do my dinner to dinner fast, the next day I feel like a Superman. Like I feel like a completely different person. And, and this is one thing that I always say. I, there's three sides to my approach. There is scientific studies. And you can find studies that say honey nut Cheerios are good for you, right? So you got to take that as one piece. There is the anecdotal evidence. How does it make you feel, right? If you drink alcohol and you feel like crap the next day, that may be a sign that you should not be drinking it or maybe at least drink less of it, right? And then I look at ancestral living. What did our ancestors do? Because like I said, my mommy was having me drink bitters when I didn't even know that bitters was good for me. Well, she told me it was good for me, but am I going to listen to someone? I'm 10 years old. I, I know everything, right? And I look at those three sides whenever I make my decision. And for someone who's listening and probably new to the world of nutrition and you want to do your own research, consider all three of those. Don't just say, what do the studies say? Because study can say something different next year. Tap into the knowledge of our ancestors. Like our ancestors used to fast, drink bitters and you know, wait with the rising sun and listen to music and do a lot of things naturally that we just don't do anymore. And then look at, as you make changes, how do these things make you feel? And fasting fit all those criteria. It does. Yeah, I, I like how you broke that down. You're, you're right when you say any study could look any way they want it to look. That's why I don't really think studies are great and they're important, but studies don't overwhelm me, meaning there's other pieces to the puzzle. So I love how you explain, yeah, the study, look at the study, look at the method, methodology, the funding and all that's important. If somebody says Honey Nut Cheerios is good for you, well, you better be sure that it's funded by General Mills or one of those companies. But then also, how do you feel, right? That's the second metrics. How do you feel? Do you have more energy? Is your acid reflux getting better? Is your brain fog improving? Like, how do you feel? Do you wake up more energized? And notice how I'm not saying is the scale going down? That is like a byproduct of being healthy. Don't focus on the scale. And then number three, did your ancestors do it? Did your grandma promote it? You know, bitters, um, movement, exercise, community, all these things that our ancestors did, or, you know, is it part of that? I would add a fourth thing to that. Um, doing specific testing like lab work, right? Like blood markers, because the numbers don't lie. A study might say, never do this diet or never do this approach, but you do it and you're hitting everything and your, your C-reactive protein and inflammatory markers, homocysteine, fibrinogen, A1Cs of down. So yeah, be your own kind of guinea pig, but figure out and fine tune what you want to work for you. And like you said, Zico, fasting fits into everything. You're a vegan, hey, you could fast. You're a carnivore, hey, you could fast. Whatever nutrition philosophy you follow, fasting could plug right into that. And I love the idea of a 24-hour fast because of, of course, the fat oxidation, the more ketones that are produced, the autophagy. But also, there was a study, I wrote about it in my book, KetoFlex, from MIT that showed a 24-hour fast, water fast, like what you're doing, actually strengthened the intestinal stem cells in mice, right? It showed this really this strong barrier with the new intestinal stem cells. So you get new stem cells in the gut with a 24-hour fast. Have you ever gone longer than that? And if you have, what's your uh, longest water fast? My longest was uh, 36 hours. And how did that feel? How did that go? I should have pushed it longer. Hmm. I should have pushed it longer. I don't just as because I felt so great. And I feel like my body could have gone a little bit longer and I probably should have pushed it maybe into, into two days, but I didn't. Why, why did you break it? It was a mental thing. 
Ah, it was a mental interesting, thing. Interesting. Yeah, it was, it was, I was just like, you know what? Okay, I've fasted enough. Let me uh, let me kind of stop at this point. <laughs> but, you know, it usually is psychological instead of physiological. I've noticed that when I've I've taken like thousands of people through, you know, longer fast. I've done a five day water fast and. It's more psychological thinking, oh my gosh, like it's been this amount of time without food. And if you've never done it, like you could like say, I should break the fast. But, you know, the body is well equipped to fast days, even weeks. I mean, the Guinness World Record is 382 days. Uh, Granted, this guy was obese, but, you know, that's the body can do it. So anyways, the point of the story is you got to implement fasting the right way. If you're brand new, you start off like Zico said, three hour uh, before bed, no eating and then kind of push the breakfast out or whatever way you want to do it and build that fasting muscle up. We spoke about that on your podcast. I've noticed a lot of people have issues with caffeine, especially caffeine in coffee. Now, don't get me wrong. I love myself a cup of quality coffee, but the truth is I've seen so many of my Keto Camp Academy students have a glucose spike from caffeine, knocking them out of fasting or creating some digestive issues, bloating, and most commonly, jitters and irritability. We know excessive caffeine and caffeine sensitivity can cause adrenal problems, which has a lot of negative effects. It makes you more dependent on the caffeine and it puts you in this sympathetic fight or flight state. And for a lot of people that is problematic. Everyday dose solves the problem of regular coffee while drastically building on its benefits with added supplements. What I love about everyday dose, it's low acidity, cold extracted coffee, and a micro dose of caffeine blended with collagen protein, functional mushrooms, and nootropics, which will improve your focus, your energy, and your immunity. I just feel different in a really good way when I have everyday dose versus regular coffee. And I want you to experience the same. So if you want to check out everyday dose, head over to everydaydose.com slash Ben and use the coupon code KETOCAMP. You're going to get an extra five on the go dose travel pack to take with you anywhere you go. I take these travel packs with me and it is a game changer because when I'm traveling, it's hard to find, first of all, a clean cup of coffee, but almost impossible to find coffee with these functional ingredients. So head over to everydaydose.com slash ketocamp. Use ketocamp to get your bonus gift or click the link in the podcast notes down below. Now let's transition. One of the most common questions I get asked, and I imagine you do too, is I've been doing X diet for this amount of months, or I've been doing intermittent fasting for this amount of months, and I've hit a weight loss plateau. What can I do? I I lost 20 pounds the first month, and now I'm on month three, and I'm stuck. I haven't lost any more weight. How do I overcome a weight loss plateau? Zico, I'll let you take it from here. All right, my man. This is my area now. Now you're coming (laughs) to me. So let me me clear my throat a little bit. So yeah, but seriously, at first I have to know what were you doing, right? I have to know what were you doing? Because if I don't know what you were doing, I can't know what to correct. Because we may think, okay, I was eating chicken and broccoli for this time period and whatever, right? Some might have said, might have just gone on keto for a while. Some might switch over and done a vegetarian or a vegan diet for a while, right? But see, the human body is a quite, it's an interesting thing. It adapts, Okay, so I'm going to give you an example. Let's say I have someone, and, we, and I'm going to get into metabolic flexibility here. So I have someone who had done the keto diet for a while, right? Two months, three months, four or five, whatever, how long the time frame may be. And there are other things I look into, like, I, you know, ancestral background, stuff like that. But as far as from the epigenetic piece, that's why I'm going to take it. 
and they become very good fat burners. But then they realize that over time, their weight loss will stagger. And if they eat carbs, they will start to get even gain some weight back. And they're like, what happened? Well, see, the body's smart. See, the body says, okay, you're going to feed me fat. I'm going to get really good at breaking down fat, a.k.a. creating the right enzymes like lipase, for example, right? Now, the studies even show that you may even eventually over time, your lipase may even taper out, right? So the studies show that over time, you don't want to, if you do keto for an extremely long time and you don't cycle back in carbs like the way you're supposed to, you would go more likely plateau, plateau because how your body's going to get just as, as efficient as it can at breaking down fat. So that's the first thing I know. What were you doing? So let's say you, you're on keto for a long time and you get you hit that plateau, then I'm going to look at, okay, it's probably time to cycle some carbs back in. And what happens, and this is say probably because there's testing and stuff that we have to go through. So this is all these are high, all hypothetical stuff. But you start adding the carbs back in, and you may even have to take some digestive enzymes to help you initially with those carbs, right? And your body creates more amylase, and you become better at breaking down carbs. Now, this is the thing. For most human beings, it's probably like 90% of us, because human beings are born or with more um, amylase than any other mammal on the planet, right? So it's usually an easier transition to switch back to carbs and to switch back to fat. And this is why I made about flexibility becomes important because then you were like, okay, let me eat some carbs and I start having carbs in my diet, which you have to gradually do, it may take some enzymes, so on and so forth, whatever the approach may be. And then you're like, you, but you can't just stop there. Because you're going to have to, from time to time, switch back into a high-fat or even a keto diet. And that's not just for the weight loss benefits. That's also for you, the health of your gut, having a, a diverse microbiome, and so on and so forth, right? Yeah, talk, talk more about that. What do, you, what do you mean? How does that help with uh, creating more diversity in the gut? Right. So the gut, and this comes down to, when it comes to fat or carbs, it more, has more to do with the enzymes, right? And the diversity in the gut, that's going to help with being metabolically flexible. So if you want to be metabolically flexible, you have to have a diverse group of enzymes. One of my friends, uh, actually one of my clients, I should say, sent me something on Facebook. It was an article, I think it was some town in Switzerland, where they took, everything was like sugar-free, right? Everything was sugar-free. And their gut got so screwed up because they lost, I don't remember the name of the enzyme anymore, a very vital enzyme to break down carbs. And most of them could, couldn't even get it back. Like, it, they are so bad. Like, and I'm sure that over time, for most people, if you're healthy, you could probably retrain your gut and create more of that diversity, right? But that's with anything in life, like the diversity is important. My friends even still say, you know, eat everything in moderation. I don't necessarily believe in that. But that's kind of where that idea is going. It's like creating that diversity because you want to have... Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it, essentially. Right. You want to have the enzymes to break down fat as needed, but you also want to have the enzymes to break down carbs as needed. But because in a lot of times, because um, our, as humans, our bodies prefer to, to break down carbs, if you add in the carbs and you stick to like a medium to a high-carb diet for too long, then you're going to end up losing a lot of lipase naturally. 
you want to have the ability to switch back and forth. That's where you are. That's where I am. If you and I don't eat tomorrow because we're busy hiking or whatever we're doing, we're not going to get hangry, right? We're going to be perfectly fine. Whereas someone who doesn't have that diversity of enzymes in their gut, that person may, may have the sugar cravings, get hangry, don't know what's going on because you don't have that diversity of enzymes in your gut. Now, the other side to it is there's the diversity in your microbiome as far as your gut bacteria, right? Now, the fat may not help with that as much because when it comes to diversity in gut bacteria, you have to look at prebiotics. And I always say it like this. I said, and I'm sure you know this, but this is my metaphor. The bad bacteria and the good bacteria are in a tug of war, right? And it's like you're playing a video game. Whichever one you choose to feed is going to be stronger in that war. So if you want a diverse, gut, healthy gut environment, you have to eat oligosaccharides. Good, healthy fibers, which are basically prebiotics that feed those probiotics because those probiotics then create postbiotics. And by the way, you can buy postbiotics on the shelves. Anybody within a hair shot of me, I do not recommend that because they're extremely unstable and this is something your body should be able to do anyway. If anything, get by pre, um, um, prebiotics and probiotics, right? That's just the way I look at it because you give you feeding your body what it's supposed to and then it will create the postbiotics as it's supposed to. And there's a lot of studies and I'm not going to get into all that, but there are a lot of reasons why I believe that, right? So you're feeding the, the good gut bacteria and then when you're eating a diversity of these, that's the important thing. When you're eating a diverse group, that's all we, what do we say? Eat the rainbow. Yeah. Right? Eat the rainbow. When Grandma said eat the rainbow. <laughs> exactly. Again, go back ancestral living, right? Eat the rainbow. Because based on what you eat, it will promote growth of different type of bacteria in your body, good or bad. And then you want to create more growth of the good bacteria by eating the rainbow, increasing that diversity. So I'm talking about diversity from a gut enzymes piece of having been having a flexible metabolism and in diversity from a microbiome aspect of having good diverse gut bacteria. Yeah, no, I love it. I love a great explanation. Use it or lose it. Right. And, th and this could be kind of confusing to the average person because they hear us talk about lectins and oxalates and anti-nutrients and plants. And then we're like, hey, but we need to eat different plants to create diversity. So I'm going to unpack that real quick for them. But the problem we now have is a new problem, meaning most people, if you were to ask, I don't know, 500 American adults to food journal, every single food they've eaten in the last 30 days, most of them will list five to eight foods or eating the same foods over and over and over again. This is a new problem for us because to your point, Zico, our ancestors, our grandmas always changed their nutrition. They ate seasonally. Sometimes they were vegan. Sometimes they were carnivore. Sometimes they were keto. Sometimes they were carved up. But now we're choosing a certain lane and we're staying in there and we're eating the same foods, which decreases diversity. And to your point, we forget how to process certain foods. So going back to the confusion part for most people, we talk about carnivore and keto, but then we say not forever. And then we talk about anti-nutrients, but then we say you should eat fruits and vegetables. Um, so here's the thing. Bio-individuality is where this comes into play. For most people, like a good start will be to remove 
vegetables to remove anti-nutrients because most people have gut dysbiosis, but that doesn't mean you remove it forever. I, I love carnivore. Zico loves carnivore. We don't love carnivore forever, right? It's it's a great elimination protocol as you are healing the gut. Then you start introducing these plants back in, and then your body adapts to it. You upregulate enzymes and bacteria, and it's a great approach to create more diversity. And I'm sharing this because I know that there's somebody listening or watching thinking, but you're saying do carnivore, and then you're saying to eat plants. So Zico, could you uh, add to what I just shared? How, how can you make this easier for them to get? Yeah, so the first thing is, and Dr. Gundry laughs about this. I listened to his podcast and he mentioned, people call me the father of the carnivore diet because I'm talking about not eating plants, right? And the first thing is, you don't know what is really affecting you until you eliminate all the suspects, right? It's kind of like if you were to, if you're a sheriff or a detective or something, right? So you eliminate all the suspects. So the first thing is, eliminate the plant foods out of your diet for most people, right? Especially if you have gut dysbiosis, you want to eliminate plant foods because you don't know what anti-nutrients you're responding to. So you may eat something and say, oh, it's gluten, but is it really gluten or is it the fructans in gluten? Like, do we really know, right? So eliminate that first. So then that's when a carnivore diet for a while can really help with healing your gut, right? So that's something to really consider. Step one is that elimination. Then you're, you're going to, Naturally, you're going to get into a state of nutritional ketosis, should it done right, combined with fasting, drinking enough water, training properly. There's a lot that goes into that, right? But And that was my step one, was going into ketosis, right? Now, and Dr. Gunja said this very beautifully because he's like, after that's happened, and that's can take a month, it can take two months, it can take, I would say on average around three months or so, really, probably more than that, you start adding in plant foods back into your diet, right? Slowly but surely, Right. And as you're doing that, you can you start to realize what your body is responding to, because the lectins in peanuts are not the same as cashews. Right. So you start to realize what your body is responding to. So you slowly start adding things back into your diet. And if you're responding to certain anti-nutrients a certain way, you can still avoid them for a little while as you continue your gut healing journey. Because eventually, most of us should be able to break down plant foods with any issues if we're not eating them in excess, right? But if you have gut dysbiosis, you're going to be allergic to something. That's kind of how the thing goes. Like, oh, just to add this to say, my asthma was connected to my allergies, by the way. And I realized that when I healed my gut and my allergies went away, my asthma went away. So I don't even get the sniffles anymore, Right. And that was a big sign for me when I started putting stuff back into my diet. And that's what you and I are talking about. And that's why I am talking about, right? Is that we need all these different nutrients and we need to eat the rainbow. But you have to go on a search first and heal that gut and then slowly start to reintroduce things into your diet as time goes along. And, and with anything, the gradual approach and bio-individuality, because then you start to realize what you're responding to. And a lot of these, you don't have to get rid of them completely, forever, I mean, just until you get to that point where you can tolerate those foods again. But guess what? You brought up something earlier. Get tested, right? By getting tested, you don't really have to just, um, experiment as much. Yeah, you may want to go on a carnivore keto diet for a while, but when it comes to putting the foods back in your diet, you can get tested, right? And to see what you can, and you work with a naturopathic doctor. I've interviewed like hundreds on my show. I'm sure you've interviewed so many. There's so many brilliant doctors out there and dietitians and so on and so forth that can really help with this. 
So then at that point, the guessing is taken out of the equation. So then you can really start to make the changes that you're supposed to. And then you, you will start to see most people, you will start to see some improvements. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. It's essentially an elimination diet. And then you start to bring it back into how your body responds. And some of the most common symptoms, if you're vegetable that you ate doesn't agree with you would be like post nasal drip, joint pain, brain fog. But here's the thing that could show up three or four days later. So you want to be really strategic. It's kind of a slow approach, but you add in one or two new items, new um, vegetables at a time for four or five days and see how your body responds. If you still feel good, no symptoms manifested, then you have identified those as, as being safe. And then you could add in a couple other things. And it's kind of a slow thing to do, but it's a great way to really fine tune your diet. And add to that, you could put a CGM on a continuous glucose monitor, which I love. And you could see, you know, is it spiking your glucose? For some people, if you have a really big food intolerance or sensitivity to a certain food, even though it's not a high glycemic food, if you're sensitive to it, it could get create a glucose response and your CGM will pick that up. So these are these are things to pay attention to. And one more tool uh, is an aura ring. You have an aura ring. When I eat too many plant toxins, my HRV drops. When I eat less plant toxins and when I do carnivore, my HRV soars, right? So that could be another metric, but not that HRV is like correlated 100% to that, but I noticed that personally when I eat more carnivore, it goes up. So carnivore works well for me. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I have an interesting story with the CGM. So I NutriSense sent me a CGM and I wore it for a couple of weeks. And one of the interesting things, and this is when I, this is how I, well, one of the reasons why I know my body is optimal. On my days, I do a 24-hour fast. My blood sugar does the same exact thing as the days that I eat. Think about it. Um, so what does it do? Tell me, what's the pattern? Um, so my pattern is around, uh, it, it slopes like when I'm sleeping. And then it starts to pick up a little, gradually as I'm waking up. It's usually around 4 o'clock. And we know about the dawn effect and certain things that the body does naturally, right? And then throughout the day, my blood sugar stays pretty constant. Regardless of what I eat, my, it stays pretty constant. It may pick up a little bit, but now I'm relative. So what, like 80s, 80s, 90s is what you're... Yeah, between like 80s, 70 90s? to 70 to 80s, 70 somewhere around 80s, there. Okay. It, may, it may even slope down to like maybe 40s, 50s, depending on how long my fasting window is. But when it starts to drop lower than it's supposed to, it will naturally... And this is interesting on my fasting days. When it starts dropping, let's say about 40 or so, okay, I haven't eaten in a while, eventually it will slowly tick its way back up. My body will naturally do what it's supposed to do because my body is optimal. Now, on a 24-hour, now this is me because I've been fasting 24, I've been doing 24 hours for a while, and I've been fasting for God knows how many years, right? Now, someone who may not be optimal at, at fasting, your blood sugar drops. You may need to eat something for that stuff to get back up there, right? But, and I thought that was interesting because I was talking to uh, one of the dietitians in NutriSense, and she was like, wow, this she was kind of, she was amazed at that, uh, how my body essentially works. Even if I eat fruit, and again, I'm relatively low carb. I mean, I have my refeed days and stuff like that. But even if I eat fruits or berries or something like that, my blood sugar doesn't drastically change. And having a diverse gut environment, having enough amylase that, that allows my body to break that down well, having more muscle helps with that as well. Because we know that muscle stores about four or five times more glycogen than our livers, right? So having more muscle, having more suitcase that we call it helps with that as well right 
So goes back to what I talk about is if, if you optimize your body, you start feeling better and then you take the test like a CGM is one thing you can use for testing. You will start to realize how a lot of that information correlates. That's fascinating. Are you testing your ketones at all? Did you test your ketones throughout that? Not throughout the fasting period, no. And I probably, I'm sorry, not throughout the CGM period, but now I think about it, I probably should have. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see that. Next time you do it, let me know. I'd be curious to hear those numbers. Yeah, and these are cool tools, right? And, you know, I know CGM costs money, Aura Ring costs money. You don't have to get it to get healthy. These are just additional tools for you to explore if you have the budget free. I think they're very valuable tools. I, I love the CGM. Uh, NutriSense is great. Uh, Levels is great. Zico, last question for you. And then I'm going to ask you where you to share where my audience could find you. Vitamin G. You know that I love gratitude. My strongest vitamin, the strongest vitamin in the world is vitamin G. So let me ask you this. What do you have vitamin G for today? Vitamin G. This is going to, okay, so this is going to sound um, lame, but I really have vitamin G for us connecting, man. It, I, I said it on my podcast. I said, it's rare that I meet someone. I'm like, this dude is in my tribe, like for real. Like he on the he notice, he knows some stuff that I don't know. I'm sure there's some stuff I may know that he may not know or whatever. But we're egoless. We're both out here for the same reason, helping people and training people and te- you know, teaching people to be optimal, to be the best version of yourself, right? So that's really, I got to say, what I have vitamin G for, my friend. Oh, thank you, brother. I have vitamin G for that too. I, I love your vibe. I love what you're doing. The only thing I don't like about you is that you're a Cowboys fan. <laughs> Those commanders, man. This is, I don't even know what, what that really is. Well, we're going to call them Washington. I'm a Washington <laughs> fan. You're a Cowboys fan. They don't typically get along, but I don't let sports determine my relationships because you're an awesome dude, bro. Hey, um, where can they find you? I know you have your podcast, which is the Matter Over Mind Experience podcast. Your website is ZicoHealth.com. Where else can they go? Yeah, my Instagram is at Zico Health, and it's based Zico is Z E C O and then Health, right? So one word. Um, the podcast is based same where you can find Ben stuff. So Amazon, Google, Apple, Apple, and uh, Spotify. So the pretty easy to find. I say check it out, give it a listen, um, search through the titles, see what interests you and what can help you. Well, I think one of the biggest things that I do on my show is I do weekend shorts. And they're like six to eight minutes and I explain something simple. So I'm like, okay, let's say this weekend I'm going to talk about walking and how walking promotes fat oxidation. And I'll talk about walking for like three, four minutes and how you can implement that. Next weekend, I might say, you know what? Let's talk about fasting, how fasting may work. And a lot of times these are questions that people ask me and I think it's interesting to just quickly break it down for you. So go ahead and um, check it out and uh, give your boy a five-star rating while you're at it. I love it. You know, I was looking at your reviews. Uh, well, first of all, you have 159 episodes so far. And you have um, a lot of reviews. You have 438 ratings and reviews, and it's five star, um, which means you're doing a great job. You don't. It's very uncommon to see somebody who has that many episodes and has a five star rating. So let's keep that going for Zico. Go listen to the podcast and leave it a a review. Um, you're right. I see episodes here, and then you did one a few days ago, like a solo episode on body fat. So it's cool that you do that. And your guests have been phenomenal. I was looking at some of the people on your show. Uh, Natalie, I actually just did um, a panel with Natalie Needham um, like three days ago at the Biohacking Congress. So you, you've got some good people there. We'll put a link for Zico's podcast down below and uh, everything mentioned can be found down below in the podcast notes. Zico, thanks for the work that you do. You're uh, helping a lot of people. I love that it came from your own experience of pain to purpose and just keep doing what you're doing. We'll collaborate some more. And uh, I'm also grateful for us connecting. So thank you for today. 
Thank you, my man. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Zico. Go subscribe to his podcast, The Matter Over Mind Experience. I was on that podcast recently. He's got some great guests and he's doing a great job. His website is zicohealth.com. His Instagram is at zicohealth. We will drop all of that down below, including show notes and everything we mentioned could be found down below in the podcast notes. Hey, share this episode with a friend, share it with a coworker, share it with somebody, a family member, somebody you know who could benefit from this conversation. If you want to watch the video format of today's interview and all interviews from the show, that could be found on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash keto camp. Please consider leaving the keto camp podcast a rating and review. I am so grateful if you continuously press play. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Have a great rest of your day. I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.